0: Welcome to AF Talks, where we engage in informative and inspiring conversations relevant to today's association professionals. I am your host, Michelle Mason. Today's guest is Deborah Zabrodil, President and CEO of the Learning Studio. Our topic is understanding emotional intelligence in associations. Welcome, Deborah.
1: Thank you, Michelle. It's great to be here with you.
0: Well, we're excited about our conversation today, but before we get started, uh, tell us a little about yourself and what you've been up to these days.
1: Sure. Um, so I am um, founded the Learning Studio 16 years ago, and um, it, I kind of like to say we're all things sort of association education in that... Um, we help build programs and do instructional design, we do consulting around the association model, and also do a lot of teaching, you know, speaking, uh, facilitating, etc. So my world, as you can imagine, has been, has gone from being on a lot of planes and um, doing a lot of speaking and being with clients to doing everything virtual, and I'm thrilled that it can be done that way, but I do miss uh pressing the flesh i have to say i'm i'm uh that's something that gives me energy and i love being with you know association audiences so i'm anxious to get back to that at some point
0: deborah i think we're all in this with you because uh you know we we appreciate the opportunity to connect through technology but there's just something emotionally connected with that in-person physical Uh, time together. So we're gonna dive dive in and have a conversation about that. Uh, Deborah, our podcast format is is pretty simple. I'll have about five or more questions to ask you depending on the flow of the the conversation. But before we get started, to ground us, what is emotional intelligence?
1: Well, emotional intelligence is a, a measure of how um, well, someone re- relates to themselves and others, you know, in an emotional way. So it's not, you know, we, we used to hear about IQ all the time, which is a measure of uh, an alleged measure of intelligence. And there's controversy around that. And this became EQ, which are, you know, some people might call it the softer skills. Some people might call it, um, you know, back in the day, we used to say, you know, a gut instinct or that someone was very charismatic or that they had great people skills. All of those things lead into this concept of emotional intelligence. And one of the things that, um, that, you know, emotional intelligence kind of has four parts, and I can talk more about this as we, as we move through the podcast, but the, you know, the, the, the parts are around um, awareness and then around regulation or influence. So there's self-awareness and um, I do a lot of speaking uh, around leadership and I, irrespective of if I'm, you know, overtly talking about emotional intelligence or not, I think one of the most fundamental things around leadership is self-awareness, and, um, you know, those people that have greater self-awareness are usually more effective in their work and in their life, and then there's social awareness, and that's really, you know, um, turning the lens on someone else and saying, you know, who is this person I'm talking to? What do I know about my audience? It could be an audience of one. It could be an audience of 30,000 association members, Um, and then there's the regulation piece. So, I know myself, I know I'm upset, but I've chosen not to act out on being upset, or I've chosen to handle this in a different way. So it's the ability to regulate, you know, the the, uh, showing of your emotions. And then there's a piece of it called social influence. So that's the part where, you know, not only are we socially aware, meaning of the other person or the other people, but Now that I've done all all these other things, I know myself, I know them, I've, you know, I've kind of, you know, I'm reading the tea leaves, I'm paying attention to all the cues. Now I've got a better idea of how I can actually influence potentially their behavior or their thought.
0: Oh, absolutely. This is really good information. We're going to unpack that as we, you know, have a conversation around this. Why do you think emotional intelligence is important for associations?
1: Well, I think you know at the very core, associations are about relationships. It is a relationship business, and it's not a transaction. So this is where EQ comes in. You know, we as associations, and I've worked in associations my whole career. Um, we want to feel members universally want to feel good about their association, right? They want they want their contributions acknowledged. They want their time valued. They want to feel. Like they're part of something bigger than themselves, and so I think there's this feel-good sort of psychological tie that we have to our professional associations. And so, you know, the more um, emotionally intelligent we are as association professionals, the better we will relate to our members. The better we, the the better we will communicate with them. You know, even and this this might be. Um, a membership renewal note sent out in the middle of COVID, right? That requires some emotional intelligence. It might be a one-on-one conversation with a member that is stressed about losing their job or, or a downturn in their work. So I think it, it will, it shows, it always shows itself in many ways. It does a little bit more now, but it's the relationship piece that makes associations different than so many other entities that people interact with. And, um, you know, Michelle, I don't have to tell you that people feel emotional about their association. If people don't like something, you know, if your members don't like something, you're going to hear it. And if they love something, you may or may not hear it. You may not hear it at all, right? But you're sure going to hear it if they don't. And, you know, I mean, things I, 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 when I teach folks that are um, sort of newer to the association world, one of the things I try to explain to them is this this emotional tie that people have. And that, you know, it may manifest itself in someone crying because they can't get a ticket to an event, you know, at a registration counter or someone getting very angry about something that seems like it shouldn't be something that angers them. But we, you know, our associations represent our, our work, our life's work in many cases. And, um, and so I think it's very um, it's very critical that members are treated in a very high EQ way. And I think the members need, EQ, need to understand EQ themselves. So um, that's a huge part of this as well is, you know, we need to be um, high EQ with them, but they need to be high EQ with whoever their customers are. This world demands it. And I think, um, you know, the particular time we're in really demands it. And, um, you know, I think what's really interesting to me in terms of an awareness around EQ as it relates to associations is that um, what I'm noticing is over the course of maybe the last seven, you know, seven years to now, seven years ago, maybe someone had heard of emotional intelligence, a lot of people had not. But those people, even the people that um, were familiar, sort of semi familiar with what it was, weren't necessarily convinced it was that important. Now what I see is a lot of groups raising their hands and individuals saying, I know what it is. I know it's important and I don't have it. I I need to work on it. And where where I really see that happening is in um, technical societies, scientific, scientific associations, medical societies. So those sort of science, technology, engineering-based um, industries where they haven't been necessarily schooled, formerly or otherwise, in all the elements of you know, emotional intelligence as maybe you would have in different professions. So I think there's a, a level of awareness and an awakening around this.
0: I agree, and particularly now, considering the, the time that we're in, Um, In our history. So that leads me to our next question. How do you think COVID-19 is influencing the different components of emotional intelligence and particularly the leadership ability or will to lead during this time? You know, we have this whole body of knowledge around empathy. We have emotional intelligence. So can you kind of unpack that for us and help us understand are they one of the same empathy, emotional intelligence, or how do they interrelate? And then also how is COVID-19, this pandemic, influencing the components from a leadership perspective?
1: So a couple couple of things, and I'll start with empathy. Um, Empathy is a very important component of emotional intelligence. It is not all that emotional intelligence is, but it is certainly an important piece of it. So Um, you know, any reading you'll do on emotional intelligence will talk about um, empathy and being able to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And that comes with the social awareness piece, you know, is really, you know, well, I don't see it that way. But let me stop and look at this from another person's vantage point. And I think that is what is also so important for us as association execs is really to understand where people are coming from that might be very, very different than we are, or have a different life experience, etc. cetera. I think um, COVID has just heightened the need for emotional intelligence. So, um, you know, what we're dealing with right now is fear, uncertainty, pain, loss, you know, loss of income, loss of jobs, loss of loved ones. I mean, we've got some really serious stuff going on. So if we go about our business, you know, as we normally would, even if we're normally a pretty emotionally intelligent association, but we are not taking into account all of these other things. We are not, we're, we're just not gonna be resonating with the members. And there's a lot of discussion. I've heard the, the term, and I've used it myself many times tone deaf. <laughs> and I think that what is really important now is that we're really paying attention to that, that we are doing the right things at the right time with the right messaging. I've heard from so many associations that are saying, you know, we are, first of all, making decisions to cancel events, whether it makes, you know, financial, any financial sense for the association, but in, in so, to some degree, it's sort of a moral obligation, right, to keep the members safe, etc. Then there's the, um, you know, these issues of, you know, when do we send out our dues renewal? You know, do we, do we wait? Do we have different messaging around that? Are we extending, you know, deadlines for things? I mean, how are we putting on our really like you know most heightened emotional intelligence hat and really saying, what is it that people need of us now? And how can we be of service? And I just think that we have to be extra careful. I um a funny story, but when I was um what right when COVID first um first was really starting, you know, its outbreak in March. And we were all kind of realizing that, you know, things were going to be very different. And, you know, we were canceling trips and things. I had to cancel a business trip to Austria and uh, that was to happen in late April. And I called the airline, you know, and I'd heard, of course, you know, that they were going to be issuing um, a, um, a voucher and that you could use it through the end of the year, et cetera, et cetera. So I got this person on the line and they started with their script. And the script was, when you buy a ticket on X airlines, um, you have to cancel within 24 hours for the ticket not to be null and void, dot, 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 And I could feel myself getting angry, you know, and getting anxious. And finally I said, but no, I know that there's a, you know, that there's a, um, a new policy in place. And she said, oh yeah, I was getting to that. So what, what I, I got off the phone. And I thought, all right, one word would have made a difference. So if she would have said at the beginning of that sentence, typically our policy is, or normally our policy is, that would have cued to me that something was different. So it's something as small as that, you know, that I had sort of a, a, you know, a, a sort of an anxious call because that person was given a script that sort of did the rattling off and the good news came at the end, you know? So I think we have to be super careful on how we're communicating with members and wherever we can take away anxiety, we need to do it.
0: That's a very good point, which leads me to the next question. You know, words matter, particularly now. Words matter. And so everyone is on Zoom. There is Zoom fatigue. Is a real thing. It's a real thing. So, how do you show emotional intelligence through that technological platform? Is it possible? Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah, I think it is. Um, You know, I I usually will tell people that I think, um, you know, it depends. That the more high stakes anything is, the more you have to pull in your emotional intelligence. Right. The more the more it takes a little bit of an art to get through it. So, the more high stakes something are a conversation or, you know, anything along those lines, I think, you know, you do it face-to-face if you can. But even before COVID, you know, the next best thing is something like a Zoom, because you can read someone, you can see their body language, you can see their facial expression, you can, you know, hear the intonation in their voice, all of those things. The third best thing would be a phone call, and then, you know, maybe then an email, then a, you know, it sort of goes down the line. But um, I think, you know, it's not as easy as sitting across the table from someone, no. Um, but I do think that um, we can do it. I think one of the things that we have to be careful of is that we don't consume all the air in a Zoom, right? That, we, uh, that we're still listening really well, that we are reacting to what someone is saying and not just the script that's in our head, um, that we're smiling, that we're, you know, that we're doing all the things that we would do in a normal, uh, a normal face-to-face encounter, and knowing that maybe it won't be quite as good because they can only see, you know, the bust of us, you know, the the shoulders up. But at least it's it's better to see someone and see that they're engaged and see that they you've got their attention than um, than not knowing, you know, and then be then being on a conference call and you don't know if you're on mute and if they're you know defrosting their refrigerator or what they're doing while they're listening to you. So. Right. <laughs> totally. I
0: totally get that. So, Deborah, say I'm someone who believes I'm emotionally intelligent. Maybe there are assessments to say, no, you're not. <laughs> <But> I, <laughs> right. right. So, I have an opportunity yeah. to deepen my emotional yeah. intelligence. What recommendations would you have for me?
1: Yeah. Well, I think there's a lot of different things you can do. Um, one is, you mentioned an assessment, and I'm a real big, big believer in assessments. So, I think that there are a number of assessments you can do um, related to all kinds of things like, you know, conflict, creativity. And then, um, one that I recommend that I have no financial interest in at all, but it's, it's the book by Travis Bradbury and Jeannie Greaves and it's emotional intelligence 2.0. I love that one. Um, as well as the Daniel Goleman book, which is like, you know, sort of the, the Bible of EQ, but I I really like the 2.0, um, from Travis Bradbury because it has an assessment in it. And so it's, you know, it's not just, um, it's a, it's a quick read. It's a very easy read. And it really, um, what I love about it is it, it puts emotional intelligence into action. And it really, it, not only does it give you a sense of who you are and where you're at in emotional intelligence, but it also, um, it also provides really great real life examples of how it manifests itself, you know, positively or negatively. I think also beyond that is that um, we can, we should work on self-reflection and self-awareness. And I think that is um, just fundamental to understanding um, emotional intelligence and and really to being a good leader. And I remember at a luncheon at Association Forum's annual meeting um, several years ago, Henry Givray was the luncheon speaker from formerly of Smith Buckland and him saying, and I don't know that he called it emotional intelligence. It was about leadership but what he said was every morning he looks himself in the mirror when he shaves because he has to look himself in the mirror when he shaves and he has a little conversation with himself about how did i do yesterday how did i treat people did i show up the way i wanted to show up and as i enter the day today how can i do better how can i be there for people so i think you know baking in somewhere into your schedule particularly particularly if you're a leader you know of an association Um, thinking about, you know, what did I do right? What went well? What can I do better? How do I push myself, you know, to be a better leader, et cetera? I think that's one thing. I think um, another thing is making emotional intelligence a topic of conversation within the association. I think that's important. Um, It's important for staff. It's important for volunteers. I mean, think of all the times, and, you know, I I have sat in so many Because I'm a consultant, I've sat in so many different association board meetings, committee meetings, etc., and you see those that are very skilled in emotional intelligence, those board chairs or those committee chairs that are really good at navigating a tough room, Um, and then you see those that that just shut people down, and you know, and they're not very good at it, and that really has an impact on what the member experiences, you know, through their engagement with the association. So I think. It's got to be a conversation that happens with volunteers and happens with staff. Um, I think we need to think about hiring for EQ. Um, I, there's a, a speaker, um, Cameron Harold, who talks about culture. And a story he told once was about FedEx and how they hire people. And one of the one of the things that he said was: you know, when you have an interview with FedEx, they tell you, meet me on the corner of this, and, and this street and this street and, you know, in this building, and they give you an address and they tell you the time. And when you get there, when the, when the, uh, the interviewee gets there, what they're looking for is, did they arrive on time? Did they find it easily? Were they flustered? Were they upset? Because it mimics what they're going to be doing every day. And if we continue to hire people or overlook EQ in hiring, but sometimes, you know, we hire people because they're good at their, whatever that function of that job is, or an amazing marketer, or they're, you know, an unbelievable, you know, systems analyst, but they have very poor EQ, they're ultimately not gonna work well in the organization. So, you know, particularly, in an association where it's all about relationships, if we are not looking for relationship orientation and EQ in the interviewing process, I think we're missing the boat. Um, and then I think, you know, making sure that your team is, is really well-versed in EQ, and there are so many um, great exercises, you know, that you can, you can do. Um, one of the things that I like doing, you know, if, if, if you have a group that's going through an assessment, And, um, and I've done this with a couple of different groups is, you know, gather people that there's four, you know, these four quadrants, self-awareness, social awareness, you know, what we talked about before, and those that have, um, have them in a conversation with, with like-minded people who are very high in a certain area, and then where they're all very low. And, you know, and so talking to other people that are challenged, maybe in social awareness, that can't read the cues in a room or that are challenged with self-awareness can be really enlightening, you know, to sit down and have those conversations with other people. And then I think, you know, getting, you know, a coach that can help coach you through that or just a trusted mentor um, can really help too. So I think there's a lot of different ways. The great news about EQ, and this is really why I love it, is that it can be learned and it's really easy to get better at it. Um, You just have to keep working at it. It's not difficult, but it has to be systematic and consistent in terms of an awareness level.
0: Wow, that's really great feedback, Deborah. You talked about the member experience, the leadership role, uh, as well as the relationship component. And it sounds as though emotional intelligence can help you become a more influential leader. You can lead through influence. And so. Our jobs really are, you know, as you mentioned, about relationships, and we work with a variety of volunteers in our roles. So yeah. how can you, how can we be more influential in working, in orchestrating our, a positive volunteer experience through emotional intelligence, and what is the association's role in helping the volunteer understand this um, body of knowledge? Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. So I think um, as a, you know, any staff person that's paired with a volunteer, whether it's a CEO and a board chair or a, you know, a department head and a committee chair, whomever, um, I think this is where the social awareness piece becomes really important. And um, early in my career, I, I tell stories about, you know, I had a sort of a successful way of working with volunteers and I assumed it would be successful with every volunteer I ever worked with, right? Like, this is what works. I take the bulls by the horn and I, you know, I, I try to help take some of the work off of them. Well, that worked until it exploded in my face one day with a leader that felt like I was just completely wrangling his, um, his you know, sort of power away from him. And we had to have a really, you know, a real, a very genuine discussion about it. And um, there were some other things going on in the organization where the parent organization was, um, it was becoming less volunteer run and more staff run. And so I think there was, that was at play too. But once we had that discussion and talked about the way, the best way for us to work together, And I really understood where he was coming from. We had a fabulous relationship and we are still friends to this day, but it took it really that's always stuck with me because I took What I thought was a successful model without having any social awareness of the fact that that wasn't how he wanted to work. He really wanted to be involved and he wanted us to have these strategic conversations together and so you know now what i always tell folks is one of the most important things you can do when you're working with a volunteer is talk about your working relationship talk about what your relationship is going to going to look like and if you are someone that really doesn't like talking on the phone but only likes emailing but your chair likes to talk on the phone guess what you're going to be talking on the phone you know (laughs) we're going to be we need to acquiesce to our volunteer leaders we need to you know We doesn't mean we need to be, you know, getting them coffee and, you know, those kinds of things. But we need to adapt our styles to their styles. And the sooner we are aware of their style, what works for them, because at the end of the day, we want to we want to have success. We want to push the work forward. So if we are stuck in our way and they're stuck in their way and we refuse to see how we can get the best out of them, then we're not going to get the best out of them. But once we realize what, you know, what actually um, does get the best out of them, it's it's fantastic. You know, it can be a fantastic working relationship. So I think that's huge. And then the second part of your question, Michelle, is, you know, what does that mean for, um, for volunteers? And I think, frankly, um, in my heart of hearts, I would love to see that emotional intelligence is part of volunteer training, um, that it's a, a component of it, you know, it's not just how do we run a meeting or how do I take minutes or, you know, those kinds of things. But it's about how can I be effective in working with very different kinds of people on issues that are, are really important to the association and the profession.
0: That's a great point. And uh, we'll definitely make note of that for our volunteer oh. training and orientation. I, I, I appreciate that insight. So as we come to a close with our podcast today, I will tell you, I've learned so much more about emotional intelligence than I thought I knew, but I'm always interested in who's doing it well. What organizations Mm. or leaders that are doing it well, just in case our listeners are interested in touching base with them?
1: Yeah. Well, I do think, um, you know, I think Henry is does it very well. Um, I think he really does. I mean, if you look to who some of the um really really fantastic um leaders are you know in associations i think they are um they're people that show you know empathy that show um vulnerability um all of that i would say um oh gosh so many i mean really so many that i've um that i've worked with and one person that i've i've really been paying a lot of attention to lately is susan robertson because she took over, you know, she took over during a, a really difficult time, right, when, um, when John Graham passed away. And, um, and that takes a really, really um, strong, emotionally intelligent leader to know how to do that and to both honor the person that is gone and find your own footing. And I think she's done a beautiful job of that. Um, I also think that um, a person in in the public eye that I like to talk about a lot is the, uh, the Prime Minister of New Zealand. Um, I don't know if you all are familiar with her, but she has been in the news a lot for the past couple, um, oh, I would say the past 18 months. And she is a person, she's a young leader. Um, there was a mosque bombing about um, you know maybe six to twelve months ago, and she came out with just an extreme amount of empathy. Um, she was so um, revered in her approach to how she handled it with the the victims, the victims' families, and you know the whole Muslim community in um, in New Zealand. And and I think what I've been reading is that she's doing it again with COVID. So um, I think you know what I like to do, and I think this is one way we can get emotionally, more emotionally intelligent or better at anything, is when you watch the news or when you, you know, see a public leader, just think about, are they exhibiting emotional intelligence? Is this an emotionally intelligent response to the situation at hand? And I think we can learn so much that way, just by being aware of, you know, what people are doing um, in the news and politics and in industry and in business, etc. So, um, so I think if people start paying attention, they're going to see a lot of really emotionally intelligent leaders, many places that they look.
0: Thank you, Deborah. Thank you. And I totally agree with you regarding Susan Robertson, her leadership throughout the past year has been extraordinary. And yes. She's, she's just an incredible leader in our community, and so we completely support her. Yes. Uh, so we're coming to an end. What are your final thoughts? Anything you'd like to talk about?
1: Oh, boy. Um, I think that, you know, uh, one of the things that is, is just so important is, um, is having relationships with your members. And I think when times are tough, that becomes more important because when they get that dues invoice or they get you know, an invitation to something that has a registration fee attached, you want them to feel um, a sense of belonging and a sense of community. And you want them to feel like this is a group that really understands me and my needs. And so I think if, if there's ever a time, and I know we have so many things on our plate right now in terms of you know keeping our enterprises alive and well and financially solvent and everything else. But if there's ever a time to think about it, I really think it's now. And that we need to be um, extra and uber aware of our emotional intelligence in the next 12 to 18 months.
0: Well, thank you, Deborah. Thank you so much for your time today. So, should I, listeners, would you know, should they want to contact you, how best to reach you?
1: Um, you can reach me at my email address um, at, Deborah at learningstudio.biz or at my uh, website, which is, of course, www.learningstudio.biz.
0: Well, fantastic. Well, thank you so much. And thank you for all the good work you're doing in the field of emotional intelligence and helping us to just integrate it into our business practices within the association community. And Thanks thank for you- having me. I really yeah. appreciate it, Michelle. Well, we look forward to bringing you back to learn more about this topic. And thank you so much to our listeners today. Until next time, be well.